Welcome to Rethink, the Financial Advisor Podcast. My name is Adam Holtz. And this is Derek Notman. We are your hosts, both veteran advisors and fintech CEOs who challenge the status quo, question everything, and have fun doing it. Hear honest commentary on the challenges facing advisors today. And be part of a community where we can all rethink the profession. Now on to our episode. Welcome, Adam, my friend. I have a question for you. Do you have a bias on what you recommend to your clients? I, I definitely am biased on restaurants I recommend. <laughs> or movies, right? <laughs> movies. You mean oh. Movies, absolute books. Books, movies, yeah. yeah. Clothing sometimes. Well, let's go. Oh, I'm, I'm a little dense, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start over. <laughs> <laughs> when you make recommendations for your client's financial situation, do you uh, have bias? I probably don't even realize that I have a bias, but I know this keeps coming up. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I, we all, I think we all do. And it's probably something we don't even realize as well. But yeah, like when we're talking about X strategy for our clients to do whatever it is they want to do, are we being truly objective or are we throwing our bias in there? I don't know. I, I, I'm guilty of it. I know I am. I, I know you most of too. us are. Yeah. Well, we won't. We are. We are. There is the, the, my gut reaction to this is depending upon where you come from dictates your bias. No different than your family raising and your religion and your environment that you grew in. We all wind up creating a bias. The biggest one I tend to see is those of us that started in the insurance side have a bias because we understand those insurance products. Those of us who started on the wirehouse side have a bias, mostly against everybody else who was not in the wirehouse. And those of us <laughs> who started in the, in the attacks or the legal professions have a bias for those solutions and strategies because they understand them. We're all in our own camps, right? Everyone else is wrong. Or are they? Is, well, isn't it interesting how our clients want certainty from their advisor? And if the advisor has certainty around certain things, they're going to find more confidence and that leadership will follow through into their recommendations. And at the end of the day, the client is looking for guidance and certainty and they don't have a lot of clarity, but they do so. They follow the bias of the, of the advisor. That's why they pay us, right? It is, but that's why they also leave us too, because the next Ooh, advisor they good. meet- Guess what? As a bias against what any other advisor ever told them to do. And so they destroy the credibility of the prior advisor, don't they? Oh, man, that's, that's uh, profound. Yeah. So then whose bias is better, right? That's talk about a subjective. Arguably, thing. it's not even profound. It's profitable. We have seen a lot of advisors lose clients. We've seen a lot of advisors keep their clients, argue that they keep them forever, in fact. So what do you think the difference about this bias is and why it's important? Well, it's going to come down to the strategy, I think, partly, right? Um, mm. But you, you already said it, like the bias is important depending on what the type of the client that you're working with. And if it, that your bias actually helps them do what they want to do or not. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny because we had this question that came in from Randy, if you remember in one of our previous podcasts, yep. he wanted to talk about income certainty. And we thought about this a lot. And we said, there really is a lot of bias 
in this space. So one of the most common biases we see by advisor is how to provide sustainable income in retirement. And you know, talk to us, Derek, about strategies you're seeing that are being used by advisors you talk to. Yeah, this is definitely something that's top of mind for a lot of advisors and clients, right? And there's so many ways that you can generate an income stream. And again, folks, this is not a product show. All right, go somewhere else if you want that. <laughs> but but uh, you know, like so, everything from like rental real estate. I've owned real estate as a as a rental, right? And you've got annuities which have been around for hundreds of years, uh, like holding a note or reverse mortgages. How many of us have been told to sell cash value life insurance for income in retirement? Ever anyone ever heard of the four percent rule? Right, the list goes on. Bond ladders, defined benefit, you know, plans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a lot there. So it's a really interesting question that Randy, you know, gave us. But I love how we're going to rethink it now in a, in a in a way, a form of bias, because obviously with all of those options out there, there are advisors that have bias towards each and every one of them. Well, you know, as as you and I love controversy, at least we we like addressing controversy. Yes, uh, if not instigating it or inciting <laughs> it. <laughs> I told someone the other Man day, the I said, I, I'm not trying to be disruptive, but I think of myself as a disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I think That's maybe good. that kind of goes hands in hand. Uh, um, I think the the one of all of those that comes up as the most controversial tends to be around the annuity space, right? See, annuities in general, there tends to be a very big bias toward an annuity. If you come from the insurance space, I mean, you understand it, you like it, you get the idea of this like longevity risk. Uh, if you come from the investment world, this looks like the most expensive investment ever. Um, and of course, we all know that many of the clients that are really the core of an advisory practice are either heading to retirement or in retirement now. That boomer population that has 80% yeah. of the wealth is really actively asking these questions for how do I make sure I don't outlive my money? Interestingly enough, a lot of the, the strategies that worked forever, like my grandfather put it in CDs, right? At 15%. Oh, yeah. uh, others bought laddered bonds, right? They, Like you said, they bought munis, they bought whatever they did, and they lived off the interest. The 4% rule could work. What do you think about what you're seeing these days? Because you actually have active clients you know, that are asking these questions. What's, what's the impression you have on this? You know, it's interesting. Most of them don't understand the products or strategies enough to know much about them. They've heard about them. They read about them or their uncle talked about it. But this is where it comes back to the bias. You know, and I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday who has commercial real estate and is wondering, does he hold the note or does he sell it and just take the money and do something else? Mm -hmm. And it comes down to bias, but also comfortability and... Well, of course, I threw my bias in there. I have my own reasons for recommending certain things, and you know, I explain them out and let them pick. It's not like I'm just pushing it. It's tough, right? I mean, because it is so top of mind for consumers. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, I think at the end of the day, we're, this is why we've got our special guest today, right? To really dive into this specific product, you know, more so than any of us can to really talk about it. Um, it's true. Well, we did. We reached out to one of our friends in the space, Ramsey Smith. And if you don't know Ramsey, Ramsey is we call him our intellectual friend on this topic, right? And, you know, Ramsey is uh, you know ex Goldman Sachs, so he spent years understanding the derivative products and all these different how these things get constructed and why large companies uh, how they can actually manufacture them. 
uh, Princeton and Harvard. He's the co-host of that annuity show. You and I have both been guests on, so that was really cool. And I think his technical understanding of how these complex financial instruments work, and he can actually explain them in a way a human can understand. We we thought this would be great. So uh, why don't we why don't we jump to um, Ramsey? We asked him a couple questions in this speed re- rethink tank uh, interview. Let's uh, let's hear what Ramsey had to say. We asked him help us understand the income certainty space. So this is a this is an, a, a topic that's that's near and dear to my heart. It's what I spend you know most days thinking about. The, the big headline is that people need to start thinking more in terms of of income as opposed to as opposed to nest egg. And uh, I'm not the first person to say that, and I won't be the last. There are a lot of very very smart people, Nobel Prize winners, that believe that should be the focus. So I'm in good company there. But fundamentally, if you you look historically at, at what some of the most successful retirement plans have been, certainly for broader populations, it'd been things like defined benefit pension plans and social security. So there's actually a, a long history of guaranteed stable sources of income uh, as the, sort of the fundamental basis for a comfortable and, uh, and, and, and rewarding retirement. So I think we need to we need to find more balance between this dogged focus on accumulation and really start to think about well, what are the solutions we have around uh, making sure that income is, is stable in retirement. And in that, there is a role for sources of guaranteed income. Some of those are, some of those, in some instances, those are various forms of annuity. And uh, I think that there is a there's an interesting sort of hysteria around the the, uh, the discussion of annuities, and I think we need to get away from that. And and I will say, even though I spent a lot of time talking about annuities that are offered by insurance companies, I'm very neutral on on the sourcing in the sense that, like, I believe the guaranteed income it should be a part of every, everybody's retirement uh, retirement solution, whether it comes from the government in the form of social security, from a company in the form of a corporate pension, uh, from an insurance company, from from your Uncle Bob, if your Uncle Bob is somehow AAA rated and you can, you can count on him to sort of pay you every month the rest of your life. I, first and foremost, I view myself as an advocate for the principle. And then the next question you ask is, well, you know, where can you go for solutions that meet that, meet that specific need? So we need, to, we need to get back to the basic discussion of what an annuity is. And I'll just say it, it's a lump sum goes in one direction and periodic payments go in the other direction. That's what, a, that's what a basic annuity is. So I, I want to start with that as the, as the framework about which we talk about these things. So that was kind of interesting, right? I mean, the, the basics of, I love how he just said, it's money goes in, payments come back, pretty straightforward. Where people tend to get hung up with, right, Derek, is, yeah, but if I die too early, then all that extra money that you've been holding goes away. Right, they always think of the negative connotation. That, do. Oh, I'm going to die too early and I'm going to throw away the money. I'm like, yeah, but what if you live too long? Then you're going to get more money. Than they don't think about it that way, right? Like that, they don't think. I still think Uncle Bob is the best option. You know, that's my bias. Triple A rated Bob. <laughs> Triple A rated Bob. Do you have a cousin like that or an uncle in your in your family? I no, they're definitely not triple rated. <laughs> he doesn't have the law of large numbers, so he can't really make an annuity work for him. There's too much risk for him. So one of the funny things is that we can't replicate as individual investors, even with the rule of four percent, is is that we don't have large volumes of scale that an annuity company does, or an insurance company, I should say, is that they can they can work with the law of large numbers to make it win for them in the long run, as opposed to taking inordinate risk, uh, which is something I think a lot of people don't understand. 
Yeah, that's really, really important. What I like about what Ramsey just did though, too, is like he's a big proponent for annuity type income, but he's hmm. not he put his bias in there, but he didn't because he's not like yeah. saying, well, you have it has to be an annuity. It's just like he's a big proponent for guaranteed income. And I think all of us can agree on that. Yeah, it's true. Well, we did ask him, we said, you know, what what are what are the arguments these days against uh, against annuities versus these traditional income vehicles? So let's hear what he had to say, Derek. You know, you're you're in a you're in a situation where you can you can decide that you don't want to buy anything that locks in a low yield, which means that you're going to be at all in equities or I guess Bitcoin or something else like that. And you know, if returns continue the way they are, I guess you can make an argument that like that could work. But the reality is that's not from a, from a risk management perspective. I think few people that are uh, that are acting in the best interest of their clients would would say that like to be fully. Um, fully under-diversified like that is the best solution. So really, for me, it's really a discussion of annuities versus other sources of, of fixed income. And the, you know, the, the option that you, can, that you can essentially exercise or the, the, the added value you can get from very simple annuities are what are called mortality credits. But essentially, you know, on, on the back of pulling your contributions along with everybody else's and everybody getting paid out according to how long they live, you're able to get a much higher periodic payout than you would from an equivalent fixed income portfolio, just a basic portfolio, a diversified portfolio of bonds. So that's, that, is a, that is the fundamental, simple sort of value add that you get from pooling. And it's the same principle that underlies defined benefit pension plans and essentially social security. You know, that's a funny thing about this is that, that when we hear this annuities, I always remember thinking, gosh, these annuities, we tended to think of deferred annuities, or if you did the immediate annuity and took the income payment, that you were really just, that the insurance company was always winning, right? So we tended to think, <laughs> wow, gosh, I'm, I'm basically buying generic. I'm not really being custom. Uh, I don't know that I really wanted to do that, right? I tended to have my own bias against this. I, I tended to use deferred income uh, sorry, deferred annuities for certain clients that needed guarantees on the back end because they couldn't afford to lose the money, right? So they they use those GMIB or GWB products, and and in 2008, if you remember, you know those were our happiest clients by far. Th- those products just outperformed all other investments so much that those clients were the most happy. Frankly, did you experience that at all? Oh yeah, for sure. I have, and I, I think that even goes to the point of it, not just an annuity product, but uh, social security pensions. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's this peace of mind that you're getting, uh, and that's really what what you're striving at. But that, again, like we, and we've talked about leading with advice before. This is all a byproduct of that, and I like how Ramsey's just really explaining it simply in the benefits of it because there are some benefits of it. It's funny though, like you say, like. Oh, you know, I didn't, you know, I've got this negative bias. I'm losing, you know, but the only difference between that and social security is that you were forced to do one and not the other, but you're not complaining about social security. You'll take that check all day long and you're, and you're cashing it too. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, you know, some, I tend to talk about this a lot. My happiest clients in retirement are the ones that have a DB plan. Oh, they have sure, a pension right? that's their, they're right. They're military, they're government, they're teachers. They know how to live within their lifestyle and their cash flow, and they get it every month. Like they're not, there are other clients that have what I call the, the Bloomberg effect, which is Adam, I was going to go out to, to dinner with my friends, but Bloomberg said the market's down. So I canceled my oh. plans. And I'm thinking, like, really? Your, your lifestyle is really so dependent 
because I haven't given you enough income certainty to know that you can't outlive this money, right? That, that's where we start to get into this emotional aspect of this very technical decision that, that is affected by our biases. And, and interesting, I, I hope what everybody's doing who's listening is they're getting more educated so that they can help people make, as he even called it, best interest advice decisions. You know right? what's interesting before you jump Tell in me. on his next yeah. bit? What's that? The consumer bias is also affecting the advisor bias. Yeah. Right. Which, which it just complicates things even more. And that's tough because at the end of the day, they're coming to us for our bias. So we got to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our bias is actually based on credibility and experience. Come on. That's right. It's not just a Bloomberg terminal. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Not too much truth here. I mean, we might get ourselves in trouble. We asked Ramsey, you said, you know, given everything you see, what's happening on the demographics and also products, what's the opportunity that advisors don't see coming in this space? I think one of the issues that we've had is that a lot of the annuities that have been brought into the market have been much more focused on accumulation rather than decumulation. So that's part of what's caused a lot of the, a lot of the confusion. So I think, frankly, just sort of getting back to basics more is a real opportunity, focusing on single premium immediate annuities and deferred income annuities. Again, very simple equivalence to, to a pension plan. But I think that the, the, the opportunity that I'm most excited about and I think it remains to be seen what it translates into in terms of an opportunity set for advisors. I think the most exciting thing coming up is what's happening with DC plans on the back of the Secure Act. And I've been spending you know, a lot of time on that in my, own, in my own business. And you've got $7 trillion in, uh, in, in DC assets by some estimates. You've got very, very little penetration by even the availability of annuities in those DC plans. And where those DC plans have, um, have annuities, the election rates you know, are, frankly, are, you know, are disappointingly low. So what I think the future probably looks like is, uh, is an increase, an increase of availability of, I'm going to say guaranteed income solutions, right? Of guaranteed income options in, uh, in DC plans but I, I actually also think that you'll start to see some of those uh, guaranteed income uh, options not being optional. Either they'll be the default and there'll be nece- the necessity to opt out, or they may simply just be, so, simply be, uh, be the required way that you, that you receive your, um, uh, your, your retirement benefit from your, from your employer. But I think there's, that's a very interesting model. I think it's a very interesting model where uh, where an employer says, look, I want to create a system that truly does replicate what you might have otherwise gotten. Uh, and, uh, and, but if you want this money, you're going to have to take it as, re- as, as your retirement money, as opposed to you know, dollars you can use to buy your next Camaro. And, I, and, I, and, and here's the thing. It, there are some people that will say, well, well, that's not right. That's not fair. I should be able to do what I want with my money. But again, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. The most successful Pension plans have not been voluntary. You know, your, 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 your defined benefit pension plan wasn't voluntary. Until the end, you could take a lump sum. But, the, but, but contributing to it, whether it was out of your paycheck or from your employer, was essentially not voluntary. And Social Security is certainly not voluntary. So I think that there's a – and maybe this is – maybe there's, there's some that might view this as controversial. Um, but I, I actually think that it's uh, – I think if properly applied, I think it's probably the only way we can go about solving this problem in the long run. Well, there you go. Fascinating. That was interesting. Yeah. 
Fascinating. Here you, here you have an annuity expert who's saying that not only is this stuff important, but it might be the thing that saves us long-term by making it not only optional, but mandatory. In other words, moving back to a DB plan environment, funded yeah, potentially, I guess, by private insurers. Well, that, that's funny because back in the day, you remember this, most 401k plans were administered by insurance companies. Yeah. And then they were all, you know, he was talking about that, that too many annuities were focused on accumulation and not distribution. So it almost like we're swimming back a little bit. I struggle with being forced to put all of my money into one thing and not having a choice. Now I live with it with social security, right? I don't have a choice, but maybe there's a sweet spot. This is just my bias now where part of that DC plan is forced on me. I don't have a choice. But then I also get to take some so I can buy my Camaro too. Maybe just a used Camaro instead of a new one. (laughs) The only reason that you and I and everybody else in this planet, in my estimation, actually wants a DC plan that's fully investable is because we believe we can beat the rate of return over the actuary in this calculation. Right. Because we're all believe, Yeah. Right. And by the way, the markets have proven that we're smarter, right? I guess. Uh, right. Even if I just bought the crypto in my 401k, let's add crypto to 401k. And if I only <laughs> bought like a self-managed brokerage account in my 401k, I'd have much more money. So let's add that to it. And what's happening actually now is that the product again is leading the infrastructure that we're building for the entire society. Now think about this this way. We've moved away from, hey, we'll take care of you. We're going to do your financial planning for you. You don't need a financial planner because we're just going to send you a check for life. Okay. To now you got to manage all your own investments, distribution, tax, all that other stuff on your own because supposedly it's supposed to empower you. But yet we have this massive industry called financial planning that people are underutilizing and desperately need. So we've almost created our own monster here, which is, I say, we being the financial profession. And, and what we're seeing here is that what, I mean, what, when you think about it, we run a retirement now for a client. What are we trying to give them? We're trying to give them certainty that they can pay their bills. Yeah. Peace of mind. Hey, you can wake up and that that deposit's going to be there every month. We're talking about products here that actually can give them a large piece of that stuff without our nonsense math, like trusting a financial planning software to play out for 30 years. Like That's really almost, I see this listening to him that this should be the this should be a core. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm clearly, you're seeing my is that, bias. Is that my your bias. bias? That's my bias. My <laughs> bias is that my clients who have certainty live better lifestyles in retirement than the ones that are fully invested. You know, I think here here's where for all of you listening that are earlier on in your careers, this is where I think you can take some mentorship bits away. Is that Adam and I are still active advisors, and our bias, although it may not be right it does seem to work pretty well in the work we do for our clients. And it should be something that you may want to consider, right? Like here's the, here's some, ta- this is one of those things you can take away and really think about, um, you know, so if you're at that wirehouse and you're being told annuities are awful, then that we should never even plan on social security and what, you know, don't do that pension. Eh, maybe you should rethink that. Well, we got we to gotta understand why that bias exists in the first place. Usually it's around compensation. And that, and mm-hmm. that my friends is, cannot be the way that we lead with advice and the regulator the regulators are going to pr- are going to force it by the way 
besides it being just right for the client, you have to do what's right for the client and meet their needs because they're your boss. Okay. Not your, your manager who pays you is not your boss. In this case, we're moving towards a model where the consumer is always the, is always right. Um, and has to be protected even from ourselves. So the, the key here is, can we create an environment where we're starting to learn? Let's, we asked Ramsey one last question and then we'll wrap this up with our takeaways. Um, but we asked them, you know, why is this getting so much? Why is this such a struggle for this conversation? Um, and, and what's what's kind of hindering this bias? Wow, it's complicated. First of all, on, on a local basis, by that I mean sort of for any given individual, the reality is that that no matter how smart you are, uh, when you're managing your own personal finances, there are a lot of behavioral things that, that enter into the equation, some of which are are non-economic. And then if you take it sort of more macro and you say, okay, well, let's let everybody, let's let everybody do what they want to do. Well, what ends up happening? Like 50% of the people get it right, 50% of the people get it wrong, or whatever the whatever the division is. So those that get it right can certainly feel very good about themselves and they will have, you know, they will have excess returns that they can use to do whatever they want with. But the other the other folks are going to have a lot of very, very limited choices. And so what what is it, what does it mean for them? Like what is what is the safety net for them? Who, else, who ends up providing it? Like at the end of the day, like, oh, look, I'm a, I'm a capitalist, right? First and foremost, I think that, that having a system that provides like you know, sort of a very basic sort of like very basic foundation allows people to go out and like to slay the dragon. And that's what I want. That's what I want to see people do. So that's, that's really why I'm very focused on getting people into to a place where they're as free as possible to go out and, and be entre- entrepreneurial, uh, live the life they want, but know that, you know, at a, at, at a very basic level, you know, certainly in retirement, that they can survive and they don't need to be, they don't need to be a, um, you know, a burden to their, uh, to their children or to anybody else that, uh, that comes behind them. See, that's interesting. <laughs> he just went macro on us. He did, but how can you argue with that? Like he's talking about letting people pursue their passions, about not being a burden on others. Um, I mean, those are hard things to anyone really could argue against, right? It's true. It is true. Well, we, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, because Ramsey had, had so much to say, and we were able to get so many little snippets out of them. He's like literally memes inside of our Palmcat podcast <laughs> that hopefully is uh, is resonating. But we asked him, what's the best skill that an advisor has to to address to help people address this income certainty problem? And here's what he For said. me, the best type of a financial advisor is one that has high EQ and, you know, and thinks like a therapist. Um, because I think that is the, I think that's the big opportunity uh, in, in this space. I couldn't help but include that one, Derek, because it really goes back to what we started with, which is really looking out for the client's best interest, right? Having high empathy, EQ, exactly. as you called it. Humanity, um, right? Being a human, leading with advice, all of the things. He, and he summed it up and we didn't even you know, prompt him on that. No, we didn't, <laughs> just we didn't have to. He, he well, got it. So thank you, Ramsey, for doing that with us. We really appreciate it. For those of you that want to reach out to Ramsey, we'll put his contact information in the text. But uh, he's awesome. Google him and LinkedIn him and you'll find him. Fantastic resource. You know, I wanted to kind of close up with some of these other you know topics on, on this. The takeaways for me in many ways is that you know, this controversial topic called an annuity is we really need to stop calling it an annuity. I, I would love to submit my, uh, can I say, who do we submit that to, to change it from an annuity to a private pension? Because you know, the reality is 
FINRA? Oh, is that who makes that decision? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's a registered product if it's a fixed annuity, but, but I guess the point is, is, is um, yeah, we need to, I think we need to reframe our own thoughts around this to see where it fits, if it does fit with our clients. And I think it would go a long way if we were to just, you know, stop calling it the, the, I agree. this controversial word, which I agree. Yeah. It's just too many negative connotations, although it's clearly from what we've heard today, it's not a negative thing. No, it's just yeah. a financial product, right? Exactly. Exactly. It, it makes it. sense or it doesn't, just like reverse mortgage or any of these other choices that we're going to yep. make. Yep. So what's the what do you think the takeaways are of this? What what should advisors remember from this session today, Derek? Just be bias aware. Take a step back, be bias aware. Where and then where are you get in your bias? Is it from somebody that is in charge of your compensation that's pushing you to sell a product, uh, strategy, you know, whatever, or is it more purely educational? And don't forget, like your client's bias is going to come into this, but they're paying you for your bias. So just, you know, be careful with that. I, I don't know. I mean, just rethink it all, right? You know, you might be in some environment where there's a culture of do only this. Take a step back, take a deep breath, enjoy the lovely content that Adam and I provide you with our amazing banter <laughs> and, uh, and rethink it. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What do you think? I think too much, unfortunately, but I'll share it nonetheless. I want to hear it. There's a microphone in my face. What do you think, Adam? Well, look, I think there's lots of reasons why we come to the conclusions we do in recommending strategies for our clients, right? But here, you got to have defensible research, right? The client is actually asking you to help them make a buying decision in many cases. I think that's the case. Um, they're not trying to do the research. They're trying to get some expertise and competence on the process of figuring out what they should do. Give them options that are suitable for them. Okay. That means you got to do your research. Uh, you got to understand the cost and the benefits and it's got to be defensible, right? So anything that we're recommending today, it's got to have supporting evidence that it's in their best interest. I, I will remind everybody um, of research that keeps coming out again and again is that, that if we want to reduce our clients' anxiety in retirement, Find ways to give them certainty that they're going to be okay. I know that's a very soft statement. You can't put math behind that, but I typically look for 50 to 70% of their core living expenses, not their fun time, their core living expenses coming from income sources that we can't mess up. And if I decide to retire or I get hit by a bus, they're still going to be okay, right? There's a strategy in place that my team is that we've thought about the risks, not just to them, but to us in delivering that. It's not based on some complex harebrained scheme of uh, moving some strategies in this bond ladder, and then nobody knows how to unwind it, and it basically blows up. So I, I like having that certainty for the clients because it makes it really bulletproof. Um, it doesn't always have to be the most cost-effective if it delivers the solution, which is giving them less anxiety, which is why they have you in the first place. Um, So hopefully that's valuable too. We got this, uh, we got this fun. uh, We thought kind of coming into the end of the year in 2021, as we are right now, um, we would share this, this reach out we got from Malcolm. He says, thank you guys for all the sharing uh, that you're doing with us. Uh, we love the banter and you guys are like Howard Stern's of financial radio. That's, <laughs> I don't know how to take that one. I, I think I take that with a grin and a, oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Like, is that a but backhanded slap okay. maybe? Or? <laughs> I think we're cleaner by the way, but we're definitely um, cleaner. We can change that if we had to. Um, would you share uh, your opinion on what the profession is going to look like 20 years from now? Oh. Malcolm from Seattle, uh, Washington. What do you think? I think it's a long time. 
you know, things are changing so quickly. If you know, yeah. Oh man. I'm a, yeah, we're going to have fun with that. So we'll do that for you, Malcolm. Just so you know, uh, my crystal ball and Adam's has never worked, but we are going to, mean? well, I mean. Yours doesn't work? Dude. I based my whole finances on this. I Where, put, where did you get yours? Stock. Where did you buy yours? At the local five and dime. I got mine from some guy in a truck on the street. You know, he had a really nice sign though. Oh, that'll do it. Marketing works. I'm telling you, he had a good <laughs> yeah. social media strategy. He did. Yeah. Crystal yeah. balls. It was one of those uh, DMs on LinkedIn. That's how I got it. Yeah. I just uh, bought an annuity. I didn't, I didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make decisions. <laughs> Ooh. 20 years, Malcolm, that that's a tall order, but we're going to have some fun with it. And we're going to just throw out some ideas in the next episode then. Yeah, this is a great opening, Malcolm. Thank you. We're we're gonna we're gonna open Pandora's box, uh, and we're gonna find some fun things to talk about because we both have opinions of this, uh, and of course, we don't just sit on our duff. We actually are building uh, stuff yeah. that's gonna affect the next twenty years. So we'll uh, we may be able to preview some of that stuff. Well, thank you, Derek, for taking the time. Thank you, Ramsey. Uh, thank you if you've attended this uh, to our our two listeners uh, that are here. <laughs> Your mom and it. my wife. That's right. Hope they're probably having a party together. Why is it always my mom and your wife? I don't know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? How do we have so many five-star ratings with just the two of them? Are they like literally? I bet you they're setting up like fake email addresses. They just feel bad. (laughs) They feel bad for us. (laughs) We figured them out. Too funny. That's awesome. All right, brother. Have a good one. Yeah, all the best. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Rethink, the financial advisor podcast with Holt and Notman. Be sure to subscribe now and join the ongoing conversation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Asset Map or Connector. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.